January 1st, 2017. It sounds like the future, doesn't it? New Year is a great thing. It's a, it's a time for us to reflect back on where we've been and to consider where our lives are going. And I want to begin this new year with a challenge for each of us uh, to consider this morning and maybe in the coming days and the, the coming weeks how God is calling you to be more like Jesus in this new year. As you think back on 2016, or maybe as you think back on your whole life before today, what is the area of your life where God is calling you to grow up? What, God, what area is God calling you to grow up? Not what Pastor Ryan may think and the way you should grow up, or your spouse, or even yourself. In what way is God calling you to grow up into Christian maturity? Would you pray with me? Lord, we do ask that you would show us today and each day uh, the areas of our life that need to be brought in line with your lordship and your kingdom, areas of our life that we need to turn from and to repent from and to turn to you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would show us this and enable us by your Holy Spirit uh, to walk in your way for us and to grow up in Christian maturity. Amen. So at Christmas, we think about Jesus as, as a baby. We think about his birth in a manger and the gift that his life was to the world and is to the world, that he took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, throughout the rest of the year, we, we learn and we think about Jesus as an adult. We consider his ministry, the, the miracles that he performed, the teaching that he passed on to us. And we remember and we contemplate his death on the cross and what that means for us in our life. We remember and celebrate his resurrection from the dead and the eternal life that that promises. We think about Jesus' birth, him as a baby. We think about Jesus as a grown man, but we don't give much thought to Jesus as a boy or as a teenager or as a, a young man in his 20s. And there's good reason for that. The Bible doesn't say very much about it. But we do have one story. And in that one story of Jesus as a boy, there's a lot for us to consider about what it means for each of us to grow up. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him, and after three days, after three days, they found him in the temple courts sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. 
Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. First thing for us to consider this in this story is this exchange between Jesus and Mary when they finally find him there in the temple. If you're a parent who has lost a child, even for a few minutes, a child who has wandered off for any amount of time, you know exactly how Mary is feeling in that moment, right? It's this strange mixture of relief and anger that comes out in the scold, right? Jesus, where have you been? Your father and I have been anxiously looking for you for four days now. There's this critical moment in this story right here because Jesus responds to her by saying, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus gently takes the name father and he shifts it here from Joseph to his heavenly father. At some time in his life, Jesus realized, maybe all at once, maybe slowly over time, we do not know, but Jesus realized his identity as the unique son of God, as the Messiah of Israel. And here in Jerusalem during the Jewish Passover, maybe he realized that he was going to be the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. We don't know when or how Jesus discovered his identity, but this is one story in the Gospels where we see that he begins to live out this identity as the unique son of God in a very real way. Jesus here at 12 years old, that age when it was understood that Jewish boys became men, Jesus is telling his parents and anyone else who is listening that his life is going to be lived according to a higher authority. His life is going to be lived according to the highest authority. What's important to notice in this story is that this realization that Jesus had and that he's living out, it did not make him proud. He didn't begin to despise his parents now that he realizes who he is. He didn't start to ignore them from that point on. What does Luke tell us? That Jesus left with them. He went back to his hometown of Nazareth and he was obedient to them. Jesus' ultimate and final submission to his heavenly father did not cause him to neglect his human, this worldly responsibilities. Do you see that? The same should be true with us. Our submission to God in our own lives shouldn't cause us to neglect our responsibilities that we have as husband or wife or employee or as child or as parent. Instead, it should make us the best of those things, right? When I was in college, I was a part of a student Christian fellowship. It was a campus ministry on my campus. There was a young man there, a friend of mine, who was a very gifted worship leader. We'll call him John. And John was a very spirit-led man, and there would be times where he would commit to things, and then he wouldn't follow through. And his response to us is that, oh, well, 
Yes, I said yes back two weeks ago, but I don't think that God was leading me to do that today. And I remember this time at 6.15, and our worship service is going to start at 6.30 on a Thursday night, and John was going to be leading worship, and John wasn't there. John, where are you? Just been leading worship today. I just didn't really feel like God was leading me to do it today. It's not the way it works. (laughs) It's not the way it works. Our submission to God in our lives should lead us to be the best employee and the best worship leader and the best parent and child that we can be. Because as Paul says, when we do our work in Christ, we do it as we are working for who? For God and not for man. In the story of Jesus in the temple, it's clear that Jesus has come to a deeper understanding of his ultimate and final calling to his heavenly father. But that calling does not lead him to neglect the other responsibilities that he has. Instead, he carries out those responsibilities to his parents faithfully as a part of his ultimate calling to his heavenly father. And in these last verse of this passage... Uh, Luke expands on that, and he says that, that Jesus grew up, that he grew up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew up. Have you ever considered that? That he grew up, and he grew up not only physically, but in all of the ways that you and I do, intellectually, mentally, spiritually, and socially. He learned a language like you and I did. He had to learn how to walk. He was fully human. Without ceasing to be God, Jesus emptied himself of the power of God. Philippians chapter 2 says it in this way, He, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus took on the limitations and the frustrations and the frailty of our human life. He limited himself to a body. He wasn't able to be everywhere. His body had all of the limitations and the frustrations and the aches and the pains that you and I had. He got tired. He grew weary. He got thirsty and hungry. In his humanity, Jesus wasn't just able to do anything. He just couldn't all of a sudden start speaking French. He was a human being in all of the limitations of our humanness. He, he learned how to read. He learned to understand the scriptures. He learned and grew and received his calling from his heavenly father. While he was a baby lying in a manger, he wasn't self-aware. Not fully aware, aware there two days or even two months or even two years old who he was. Jesus grew up. He grew up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He grew up as a whole person. And so at this point in his life here when he's 12 years old, when he expresses this identity as the unique son of God, I must be in my father's house. Jesus at that moment doesn't go out into a cave and become some kind of spiritual guru And ignore all of his other responsibilities to parents and to family and to friends. Jesus grows up as a whole person. 
engaged in all of the areas of human life. He didn't only grow up in the things that we consider spiritual. He grew up in every way, in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and with man, in wisdom, that intellectual or moral part of human life, in stature, the physical dimension of our human life, in favor with God and the spiritual dimension of our human life, and in favor with man, the social dimension of our human life. This short little verse here in Luke tells us how Jesus grew up and is a model for us as we think about how we are to become like Jesus, that we are to grow up in every area of our life, Mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. Because Jesus grew up in all of these areas. He was a very fully human person. And he shows us that all of these different areas of our life are opportunities for us to live under his guidance and his lordship. So as you consider your own discipleship, your own growing up this next year, I want to encourage you today to ask God to consider how God is calling you to grow up in every area of your life. He is concerned about every area, not only about your very churchy life, right? Every area. Some people reduce discipleship, growing up like Jesus, to going to church and studying the Bible, And of course, both of those things are essential to discipleship, but discipleship is not just going to church. It's not just learning about the Bible, but learning to take what the Bible says and make the guidance and instruction given to us there a part of our everyday life, right? That's what discipleship is all about. And so I want us to consider today these ideas of wisdom and stature and favor with God and man as a model or a reflection of the way that we are called also to grow up in Christ. So as we think about wisdom, this is the intellectual and also the moral dimension of our life. Towards the end of last year, we spent a few weeks talking about the book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, when it talks about wisdom, it's not only talking about knowledge. It's not only talking about head smarts, right? It's talking about not only knowing things, but also being able to put into practice what we know. And so as followers of Jesus, we're called to be learners, to learn about the character and the nature of God and to consider how we should live in light of who he is. And to also learn about this creation that he made and about human nature and about how the human mind works so that we can live in such a way that is consistent with God and the world that he made. Wisdom is knowledge combined with the ability to put that knowledge into practice. We're called to grow up in that way, to be learners, to learn new things about God and about his world and about our lives, and also to consider how we can put that knowledge into practice. That is growing up in wisdom. We're also called to grow up physically, to learn to use our bodies and to care for our bodies in a way that gives honor and glory to God. According to scriptures, what we do with our bodies is not inconsequential. What we do with our bodies has a great impact on our relationship with God. Romans 12 says that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and this is our spiritual act of worship. Our bodies and our spirits are connected. They are They affect one another. And as Christians, we're told that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where God dwells. And so we are to learn, to grow up, to know how to use our bodies in a way that honors him and doesn't defame the temple that our bodies are. To learn to abstain from sin and to use our bodies in ways that give God glory. 
and to grow up physically, learning to care for our bodies as gifts given to us by God, not so that we can look like the men and women on the magazines, but care for our bodies so that we can be healthy and useful to God. We're to grow up in the favor of God. Jesus grew up in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. We are called to grow up in favor with God, to seek him and his will in our lives first, to seek to follow his will. As Ephesians 5 says, to find out what pleases the Lord and to give all of our attention and our hearts to finding out what pleases the Lord and doing it. And we're told that Jesus grew up in favor with God and with man. There is a social dimension to our discipleship. If we're going to grow up as disciples of Jesus, we must pursue unity and peace in our relationship with others. We see this over and over in Paul's letters that he gives instruction after instruction about these great theological ideas and concepts in the first half of his letters. And then the second half he says, because of that, get along with one another in this way, right? Be patient with one another. Be merciful with one another. And Paul instructs us how to be a good neighbor, how to be a good spouse, how to be a good parent or a good child, how to live in the church with one another and to be at peace. Part of being a disciple of Christ is growing up socially, figuring out how to get along well with others in the way that Jesus instructs us to do. Jesus grew up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. I want to ask you, in your life, your whole life, not just your churchy spiritual life, but your whole life, how is God calling you to grow up in Christ? So I'm asking you at the beginning of this new year to ask Jesus, how it is that he is calling you to grow up? Where is he calling you to change? How is he calling you to grow up in wisdom, in that mental or, or moral part of your life? How is he calling you to grow up physically and to honor him physically with your bodies? How is he calling you to honor him and to seek his favor and to find out what pleases him? And how are you seeking to grow up in your relationships with other people? But as we start here in this new year, I don't want this to be a New Year's resolution. Because those don't work, right? I read somewhere that about 6% of people keep their New Year's resolution. 6%. That's not very good. Go to the gym tomorrow on January the 2nd, and it will be full. On February 2nd, not so much. And the reason, I just want to say, the reason that New Year's resolutions don't work is because they're based entirely on our own self-will and our own self-determination. Will and determination are important, but they can only get us so far, about 6% of the way, it seems. (laughs) New Year's resolutions are entirely about ourselves, and they leave God out of the picture altogether, okay? So if we are going to grow up in our discipleship and in our commitment to Jesus this year, how do we go about doing it without it being just one more New Year's resolution that we put aside somewhere in mid-February? Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says this. Paul says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Let me say that again. You continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God who works in you 
to will and to act according to his good pleasure. In other words, we are called to make every effort to grow up in Christ. And Paul says when we do that, God is at work in us, making us into the people that he wants us to be. Growing up in Christ is not only about our will and our decision and our determination. It's, and it's also not only about being po- passive and saying, well, God's going to do it. And if God wants to do it, he'll do it in me. There is a relational dynamic here in our discipleship. As we commit ourselves to growing up in Christ, God will be at work in you. So turn with me to James chapter 1. How do we grow up in these ways? And how does this growing up in Christ not just become some New Year's resolution that we always find ourselves failing at over and over again? How do we grow up in Christ? James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, and what's one of the ways that we grow up in Christ? In wisdom, right? Wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. James tells us that the first thing that we do, if we want to grow up in Christ, if we want to grow up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, what's the first thing we have to do? Ask. We have to ask. We have to ask God for his help. Discipleship, growing up in Christ, is not about our own personal will and strength. It's not the same thing as a New Year's resolution. It is a spiritual work that God is doing in us. And so if we're going to decide in our own life that we want to grow up like Christ, we need to ask for his help in this. This is not a work that we do on our own, but with the help of the Spirit. And James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, and he will give it to you generously. Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given to you. Growing up as a follower of Jesus takes more than an act of your personal will and decision. It is necessary for God to be at work. And so we must start by asking. And so if this is a desire for you this year, there's nothing else you need to do today except to ask. Ask that today, this year, that God would grow you up and make you more like Jesus in whatever area that he wants. Ask. And what's the second thing that James tells us? We have to ask. But if we ask, what do we have to do? We have to believe. (laughs) If we don't believe that God will do this, then we shouldn't expect God to do it. He won't do it. We must believe in Christ. And believing is more than just believing some things that the Bible says to us about God. It, belief in the, in, the, in the scriptures is putting our whole faith and our whole weight and our whole trust in something. I could bring out the ladder again and I could fall down. Do you remember that a few months ago? That's belief. Putting our whole weight on something and knowing that it can be trusted. 
That's the kind of belief that God is calling us to. And let me give you another example. Today, each of you came in here and you exercise belief in the pew that you're sitting in. You came in and you believed that it was going to support you and you sat down on it. What if you didn't believe that the pew would hold you? You would have had to stand up for the whole service. Listen to my whole sermon standing up. Wouldn't have been very comfortable, but you believed. And so you sat down and you placed your belief in that pew. You believed it would hold you. And you lived according to that reality that this pew will hold me. A second example of belief is a theological example. I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saved because I believe that. I don't get extra points in heaven because I believe that. But because I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, it means that I live in a different kind of world than my neighbor who doesn't believe it. It means that I live in a world where God acts. It means that I believe that I live in a world where God can and does do things to bring about his purposes in our world and in my own life. It means that I live in a reality where prayer makes sense where God is at work, and if I ask for something, that he will respond to me in some way. What we believe in, what we believe in shapes the reality that we live in, and it shapes the way that we act. And so working out our salvation with fear and trembling means that we are to believe in Jesus, to believe and to place our trust in him, and to believe that if we commit our lives to following him, that he will, by the help of his spirit, grow us up to become more like him. So we must ask, we must believe, and the last thing that we must do is we must practice. We must put in the effort in our own life to grow up in Christ. And there are different spiritual disciplines and different spiritual practices that the scriptures tell us and the church tradition has passed down to us to help us to grow up and to practice Christ-likeness. Reading and studying the scriptures. Prayer. Fasting, practicing silence and solitude, serving the poor, practicing hospitality to our neighbors. If we want to grow up in Christ, then we must practice with these different disciplines and practices that the scriptures give to us. If we want to grow up in Christ, we must practice. We must put in the effort. Dallas Willard says this, It is true that Jesus says, Without me you can do nothing. But it is also true that if we do nothing, then we will do it without him. If we do nothing in our spiritual life, then we can be sure that the Holy Spirit will do nothing too. But if we commit to enter into practices and disciplines that have been given to us, then they will become for us a means of God's grace. The Spirit of God will use to shape us and to form us like Christ. There are a couple of great books on spiritual practices and disciplines out there. One is Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Another is called The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Both wonderful books about disciplines and practices that uh, the scriptures speak about. The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard and Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And then there's this one other teaching that you may have heard of called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Read through the Sermon on the Mount through the lens of thinking about practices of discipleship. And they are everywhere. Giving to the needy. 
loving your enemies and learning how to pray for them, learning to turn the other cheek, fasting, how to use our money wisely, how to give our money. It's all there. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Read that through the lens of thinking about how can I put into practice what Jesus has said to me here in the Sermon on the Mount? How can I put this into practice? And in so doing, trust that the Spirit is at work to make me more like Christ. If we want to grow up in Christ, we must ask, we must believe, and we must practice. Jesus himself grew up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. He grew up as a whole person. He participated in and he honored every aspect of our human life. And he calls us to grow up in the same way. So where is God calling you to grow up this year? Will you ask him to help? Will you believe that he is able to bring all of his divine resources to that task? to help shape your heart and your mind to be like Christ? And will you commit to practice? To practice being like Jesus every day. Trusting that as we commit ourselves to this, that the Holy Spirit will also be at work doing the work that he does. If you do these things, if you ask, if you believe, and if you practice, this will be far more than a New Year's resolution for you, Broadway. It will be far more than New Year's resolution. This will be a way of life for you as you grow up more and more like Christ. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we know, we have all tried over and over again. We've all said, tomorrow or the next day or the next year, I will do it. I'll be more like you. But Lord, we want it to be now. And so we ask We ask as individuals and as the body of Christ here at Broadway, we ask that you would help us by your spirit to make us like Jesus. That our character and that our minds would be like the character and mind of Christ. Lord, we believe that you are at work in our world. We believe that you are at work in our lives. We believe that you want to help us do this. And so we confess that belief to you today and we say, please, Lord, come And do this for us. Do this in us. Make us like Christ. And Lord, may you show us the practices, the disciplines that we need to put in place in our lives to create space in our lives for your spirit to work. That we would not allow the busyness and the noise and the distractions of our world to keep us from our effort to become like Jesus. So Lord, I pray that for my brothers and sisters today, Lord, that you would give them the courage to ask, the ability to believe, and Lord, that you would help them in their own practices of becoming like Jesus. Amen.